0: At this time, our middle school students are dismissed to our class. Please stand for our scripture reading this morning. Proverbs 1, 8 through 19. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throwing your lot among us. We will have you in one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood, for in vain is it a, a net spread in the sight of any bird. But those men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedily for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessions, of its possessors. This is the Word of God. Thank you.
1: a away our life. It promises so much. It promises that it will satisfy, it promises that it will give us more, and more is what we need, but it takes our life, and your gospel gives life. Uh, we ask that you would grant us the wisdom to know this, deep within our hearts, deep within our lives, um, that your wisdom would would penetrate our, our stubborn wills, that you would break down <coughs> All of our pride, and that we would humbly fall before the One who was humbled and went to the cross. Pray this in Christ's name. We might think that the proverb before us this morning that we're looking at today is so far from reality. That might be our thought this morning. Here, parents take up this idea of, of warning their son not to pursue a life of violence. Right? and this is the 21st century, right? This is America. Uh, many of us live in pretty comfortably safe places. Uh, relatively safe communities. Um, where not a lot of of trouble happens. Um, And so we might believe that this proverb seems so out of touch with reality, and therefore it's something we don't need to look at closely. We might as well just skip past this one and go on to Proverbs 2. But that would be a mistake, because wisdom knows that anyone, anyone from anywhere, right, any place, has the potential to become violent. Um, Last year... John T. Ernest, a 19-year-old young man uh, who was raised in a Presbyterian church not too far from here, right? Just north in Escondido. Was raised in a Presbyterian church, much like our own. And he walked into a Shabbat synagogue uh, in Poway, not too far up the road, and opened fire on a a congregation, um, wounding four, killing one. And his father was um, an elder. Uh, he was raised in a Christian household. Um, I can testify that um, uh, some, some friends that I, that I know, that I have, um, uh, would all have said uh, this about him, that uh, he came from such a good family, right? How could this happen? Um, if, if, if he came from such a good family, how does this sort of thing ever take place? And it didn't stop the violence. John was enticed by sin that literally, right, ambushed the innocent, as this proverb spells out, without reason. And so I think before we write off this proverb, right, it's something that only ancient peoples dealt with, right, we have to really bring this into the present and go, no, this is something that is going to apply today in every way um, to my life right now, um, And so here's what I want you to get from this passage. If you're taking notes, um, you can write this down. But Proverbs 1, 8 through 19, it teaches us this, that, that unchecked greed, unchecked greed will ruin your life and the lives of others. That's what unchecked greed will do. It will destroy your life and other people around you. The love of money is everybody's problem. And so we need to heed the voice of wisdom if we're ever going to Escape, greed's trap, greed's snare. And so I want to think about two things that will help guide us through this passage this morning. Uh, The very first thing is that wisdom sounds like a father and a mother. It's the very first thing I want you to know. Wisdom sounds like a father and a mother. Second, but will you listen to wisdom? Will you listen to parents, mother and father? Proverbs eight. hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So right, so, so first we hear uh, that, that Solomon is describing wisdom as sounding like a father who's talking to his son, right? and I think this is something that really resonates um, it resonates with me. I'm a, I'm a boy dad, right? i got three boys that I'm going to have to raise in this world and teach them all kinds of things about what it means to be a boy, and then to a boy that becomes a man. And I know we're going to have a lot of interesting conversations in those teenage years. Those are coming, right? The talk is going to happen. And it doesn't have to be awkward, right? It doesn't have to be awkward. We can just talk. Um, because the thing is, if I don't say something about it, right, as the father, then I know that their friends are going to say stuff. I know that Netflix is going to say stuff. I know that Disney is going to say stuff. Right? I know that they're going to keep going to other sources, their peers in social media. And, and I don't think we're going to like what those voices have to say right, about what it means to be a man, what it means to work, right? what it means to, to have responsibility, what it means for sexuality. Um, so this father looks his son right in the, the eye and he says... Son, hear my instruction. Um, on Friday, I actually got to go uh, to the snow with, with my oldest boy. And uh, it was his first time ever seeing snow, which he was really excited about. Um, and it's crazy to me, because I grew up in the snow. I, I was always around snow and went snowboarding, skiing and snowboarding and all that. So, so, but it was his very first time. Uh, he had a blast, and he survived, so that's good. right? But um, the whole experience really, um, I mean, when, when, you're, when you're doing something like snowboarding, and you're just starting out, the most important thing you can do is pay attention to instruction, right? You need to listen to what's going on. Because otherwise you're going to get hurt, or you're going to hurt somebody else. That's just the reality. And, uh, and, and so the whole time, we're, you know, we're on the mountain, I, I put him a little bit in some, some, some lessons, and then we, we went together. I took him on the chairlift, the very first time. He was excited. He was with Dad and we were going down the mountain, and I'm just giving him instruction the whole time, right? Toe side, toe side, toe side, don't don't hit the tree, right? Heel side, heel side, and and, and just the whole time, you know, and trying to guide him and lead him, and he's trying to listen, and that's how it's supposed to be, right? A, a, A son listening to his father. But a father's voice, right, isn't the only one to listen to. So Proverbs encourages children not just to listen to the voice of dad, but also the voice of mom. And so... By the way, this is not a proof text in favor of homeschooling, okay? Just, just want to throw that out there. You can't use it for that. Not saying it's not, but not saying it is. Okay? Um, it's getting at the idea, right, of a mother nurturing her child, right? Nurture. Providing that, that kind of nurture that the that, 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 that kids need. It's a job of, of parents, right, to, to instruct and, and teach our kids, right, how, this is how the world works. Son or daughter, right? This is how the world works. This is what happens in life. Um, and even more importantly than that, for, for Christian parents, it's, it's our job, right? It's our responsibility to, to pass on the faith that we believe, right? Once and all, delivered for the saints, we pass that on to our kids as well. We teach them the faith. Um, and we can't, first of all, we can't farm that out to teachers or um, other people, um, nursery workers or whatever, right? This is our responsibility as parents. But we have help from others. We have help from each other. We are actually, the scriptures talk about church as being a family, right? God is our father and we are his children. We are uh, together, knit together as family, as brothers and sisters. And this family is helpful. This family cares. This family loves, right? This family surrounds each other. So so whatever we lack, right? So say we, we grew up and we didn't really have a supportive father or we didn't have dad around at all or we didn't have mom around or mom wasn't, she was around, but she wasn't really there. Um, we now have a community that can surround us and that can help us and that can nurture us in the ways that we need. We have each other. And that's um, one of the things that I really love. Uh, every time we have an infant baptism, our, our church order um, asks that question to the congregation it says, do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting the parents in the Christian nurture of this child? Love that, right? It's like, we, and, and what, what does everybody say? We will? Oh, come on. We will, or, or we do, or something along those lines, right? It's always kind of muffled, but it's a big, roaring, yes, like this is what we we're saying together, right? And we, we mean it because we're family, um, and so the son's not just told, okay, listen, you know, just, just listen, but he's told the reasons why he needs to be listening to his parents, right? Uh, verse 9 says, uh, a graceful gar- garland, and, and then it says a pendant. And so a garland was actually, you know, a victor's wreath that you'd wear um, winning, winning a race. And, and, um, and a pendant is a lot like an Olympic gold medal. It's like a chain or a necklace that you'd wear around your neck. And uh, it was very kind of flashy in that sense, you know, like a pendant. It's like, hey, check this out. Like, I got my medal. I did really well. It's, it, but it's attractive. Like, people are like, man, I want that gold medal. That's pretty awesome. That's sweet. Um, and, and so why should we listen to our parents? Um, why should we listen to wisdom? Because it'll make you attractive. It'll make you beautiful. It'll make you impressive. Um, a wise person, in other words, stands out. Others take notice in society. Philippians 4, verse 5, says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness. That is a word that I think is like completely absent of Twitter and Facebook, right? Like all the Twitter, especially Twitter. Oh, man, that thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, no reason happening there. Just lots of reactions. Lots of crazy stuff. Um, and so this word for, for reasonable is the opposite of that. Um, it's the opposite of the, the shouting and endless arguing that we hear whenever we're watching our favorite news channel, you know, and the, the two politicians are going toe-to-toe and head-to-head at each other, and they're just shouting at each other and talking past each other, or the, or the, the talk ho- show host and the politician, they're doing that. You, anybody ever experienced that before when you turn the news on? Oh, come on. <laughs> both CNN and Fox News do it. I know it, OK? I've seen it on both. All right. So, um, yeah. Uh, it means, though, reasonable means being fair, right? It means being fair even when you disagree, right? Even when somebody else doesn't see it your way. It's actually being fair, not just shouting, talking past. So wisdom, it's, it's like a beautiful garland on your head, and a pendant around your neck. Others will take notice. And, and man, I really hope this is true of our church, right? That that wisdom surrounds our members, that wisdom surrounds the people who come to Redemption Church. That, um, that even if, if somebody visits our church and is like, yeah, I don't know about all of that Christian stuff that you're talking about, all that Christian teaching, some of that is kind of weird, I don't know about that. But man, there's something about these people. They're so welcoming, they're so reasonable... Like, I can't just ignore that message that they're talking about. And I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of curious. I'm attracted to it still. Amen. I think that's true of us. And I want that to continue to be true. Something attractive. Okay, so we get what wisdom sounds like, right? Wisdom sounds like what? Father. Mother. Let's do that together. Ready? Wisdom sounds like a... Father. Yes. A lot more confident. That's good. All right. The uh, question, though, is uh, what is wisdom, uh, and, and will we really listen to wisdom? Right. Will we l- really listen to the voice of wisdom, of father and mother in that sense? Um, of course, this is father and mother personified, right? That's, okay. Will you listen to wisdom? So the father begins to teach his son by giving him this story or a a parable. And it's to serve as as this example for the son. And it's supposed to apply to other situations as he navigates life. And if he heeds his dad's instruction, he's going to be blessed. Um, The outcome will be both good for him now and later if he listens. And so the story goes like this. We'll read verses 10 through 19. Verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like shale, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us; we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So the story is about resisting the temptation to join a peer group that ends up killing somebody and takes all of his money and stuff. That's pretty bad. Um, In the New Testament, there's an example of this. Uh, We see it with the the story of the Good Samaritan. Anybody familiar with that story? Um, So, you know, thieves or robbers, they they rob this Good Samaritan, they kick him while he's down, uh, and then they they take off with his stuff. Um, And so the father warns his son not to fall into this trap, because the outcome is not only doing evil to your neighbor, but it's death for the ones who commit such things. Verse 19 says, it takes away the life of its possessors. Right? So 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 the wisdom principle here, right? Wisdom is saying, if we're listening to father and mother, wisdom is saying, if you want to try to get money or things the wrong way, by robbing, by thieving, by taking from another, eventually it's gonna destroy your life. That's what it's saying to us. I'm pretty sure, okay pretty sure. I'm confident, actually. I'm really sure. I'm, I'm so sure that I'm going to ask. Um, that if I'm, if I'm going to ask you, if, if, um, if stealing is wrong, you would all say what? Yes. Is it wrong to steal? Yes. All right. No one here thinks it's okay and a good thing to then steal and then murder somebody, right, and then take all their stuff. Does anybody here think that's a good thing to do? Anybody? No? Wait, I just want to hear no one more time, just to make sure. <laughs> I just heard laughter. That's scary. You guys are scaring me. So this, right, this story in Proverbs, right, it really does, it sounds so good in theory, okay? It sounds so good. But does it play out in real life? It's a question for us to think about. Proverbs says, right, that those who live this way, that take up a life of violence, that they're going to end up dead, right? They're going to end up... Um, having life taken from them. Is that really true? Because I think we all know stories of people who've used and abused other people, and they're still living pretty consequence-free. right? I don't know if you've ever experienced some kind of wrongdoing towards you, but sometimes people get off scot-free, and you're going, what's up with that? Maybe you've personally been wronged, and that person got away with it. Some cheat, and they don't face any consequences for their actions. And so, what's the deal with that? Um, are the Proverbs lying? How do we understand that problem, that tension? This story, this proverb, it will always come true. Um, that's the thing about the Proverbs, is that um, they, they speak of general principles that are, that are generally true now, but they're always going to become true later. Something we have to think about. That a person who cheats and steals and lies and murders, they might not get caught in this life, right? They might get away with murder, literally. But their sin will be found out and exposed in the life to come. That is actually a really great and fantastic truth and a deep comfort if you ever have been a victim of somebody else's wrongdoing. That justice, even if you can't obtain it in this life, it will come in the next. That's comforting. A lot of Christians have held tightly onto that through the years. But I don't think our greatest problem with this proverb is this. Right? We all know that, that wrongdoing, right? if you cheat, steal, lie, murder, whether you get caught now or eventually, right? eventually it's not going to pan out for you. If that characterizes your life, I think we all we all get that. Um, that's not the issue for most of us today. Our greatest problem is that we've each failed to live out the wisdom in this proverb. That is our problem. Talk about that, because I think, hold up, Pastor Nick. What are you saying? All right, I've never I've never um, joined a gang. and and murdered a guy, and taken all his stuff, right? I mean, has anybody done that? Don't tell me, because I have to report you if you tell me that. So um, maybe just quietly leave. There's an exit, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Right, but you're going, I have not done such a thing, right? That does not characterize me, so I'm excused from this whole entire thing. And that's probably true. Probably true. But have you ever done something you shouldn't have done in order to gain acceptance by your peers? Approval from a group of people. Have you ever, ever, right, from the moment you were born to this moment now, given in to peer pressure? I was a young kid, um, and uh, I I have two older sisters, and they were playing softball. I think my dad was coaching one of the teams then. And so my mom and dad, they were busy. Wisdom was busy with the other children. So uh, Lady Folly was with me. Uh, And I was playing with my friends, having a good time. And there was a a kid that was a lot less popular than the rest of us. And uh, we all started uh, just, you know, picking on him a little bit. Um, Eventually, I remember he went to the ground. And each of us took a turn. Kicking right, kind of in a line, like single file, like little boys do, and uh, I wish I could say I jumped in the way of the kick, I took a kick for him, right, that wasn't, no, I kicked him, I did, Um, not proud moment, but um, I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway because of peer pressure. I wanted to be part of the in crowd. And so you don't have to be physically violent to be guilty of this. Uh, someone in this room might be thinking, gosh, I can't believe this pastor when he was a kid kicked another kid. What is wrong with this guy? I'm leaving as soon as the service is over. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to kick you. My, kicking, my kicker doesn't work as well anymore. I'm <clears throat> getting old. But uh, if you're thinking, I would never, right? And your, your conscience... Is, is excusing you right now. It's ease because you're thinking, man, I've never acted on impulse. I'm really glad you didn't leave because I was going to report you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. Um, I've never acted on an impulse but, uh, to hurt anybody. But, but have you ever spoken ill of somebody? Have you ever harmed your neighbor's reputation? Have you ever not told the whole truth to make yourself look a little bit better than another person? Just a little bit. Has that ever characterized you in your life? Just one time even. Some head nods. James 4 teaches us where the source of this violence comes from when he says this. James 4.1 What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. That's in all of us. That's in every single one of us. And if you're not taking Scripture's word for it, and if you're not taking my word for it now, if you have kids, or if you have nieces or nephews, I want you to think about those little kids, Okay? And I want you to think about their behavior. Did you ever teach said kid to punch or push their sibling? Probably not. Right. Did you ever teach said kid to violently scream when a toy is taken away from them? All right? No. Oh, OK. Did you ever model screaming at the top of your lungs, uh, convulsing on the floor, throwing a tantrum, right? Is that, is that what you do every day um, to get your way, right? No, like they, that's where they learned it from, right? They learned it from you doing that, right? No, they're sinful by nature. Uh, violence is in our sinful nature. And so, so traps like what the father lays out <clears throat> before the son are, are everywhere around us. They're all around us. And unless we listen to the voices of wisdom in every situation, we will too fall into the trap. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. I'm going to pause for one second because I have a huge pet peeve right there. Everybody always says, money is the root of all evil. It's in songs, country songs especially. Ugh. Anyways. It's the love of money, right? Is the root of all evil. Just want to say that. <clears throat> okay. Pet peeve over. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. All right, so money, money or stuff isn't the problem. That's not the problem. Having wealth could be a good thing if you obtained it. Uh, you know, with a strong work ethic, and if you're generous with your money, um, that's that's a good thing. The trap is there, though. It's easy to become greedy for unjust gain, as this proverb is saying. By the way, this is especially for anyone who's young and who's thinking it would be really nice to be rich and famous. Is anybody thinking that? Because it would not be. Nice to be rich and famous. I'm going to tell you why it would not be nice. It sounds like it would be nice, but it's a trap. <clears throat> um, nobody really wants to be rich and famous. Justin Bieber, he said this during an interview. Just, I want to read the Biebs. I'm not, am not a b- believer. So, <clears throat> I am a believer, not a believer. <clears throat> okay. It's a dad joke. People see the glam and the amazing stuff, but they don't know the other side. This life can rip you apart. I watched watched the Amy Winehouse documentary on the plane and I had tears in my eyes because I could see what the media was doing to her, how they were treating her. People thought it was funny to poke her when she was at rock bottom, to keep pushing her down until she had no more of herself. And then Bieber went on, he talks about isolation as a celebrity, uh, camping out in hotel rooms to avoid fans and photographers. Right, some of us are like, oh, that's such a hard life. But, But think about it. Then he says, and I feel isolated. You're in your hotel room, and there are fans all around, paparazzi following you everywhere, and it gets intense. When you can't go anywhere or do anything alone, you get depressed. I would not wish that upon anyone. Coming from someone who's experiencing it. That's, that means a lot. All right, so Bieber and countless other stars all say similar things. All right, we weren't meant to be everywhere and to be known by everyone and to know everyone. We're only human And so it's foolish to seek unjust gain and to be greedy. Now we might know that, and we might believe that when we're looking at other people's lives. But do we really believe it for ourselves? Do we really listen to wisdom ourselves when it comes to this, as we live each day? If you do, right, and you think really well of yourself right now, you're like, man... I'm a lot smarter and a lot wiser than other people around me, those fools, (laughs) right? Now, i gonna tell you something. You need the gospel. You need Jesus. And if you don't, if you're realizing now how much of a fool you've been, right? Maybe I'm actually one of those unwise people living my life that other people who are much wiser are going, man, that person's a fool, then I need to tell you something too. You need the gospel and you really need Jesus. So whether you're, you're wise or you're unwise in your life, wherever you fall on that spectrum, you really need Jesus. Just like I really need Jesus. Because Jesus alone can rescue us from making bad choices that lead to our death. Jesus is the answer of this proverb. In fact, the gospel message teaches us this very thing. When Jesus was at the end of his life on earth, there was a man named Judas. Anybody remember Judas? Well, Judas, one of, one of the disciples, one of the original twelve, he was enticed to join a peer group called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Right? So he joined this gang, and he was enticed to set a trap of ambush, ambush for an innocent man. And Judas even did this specifically For unjust gain, right? He did it for the money. Show me the money, Jesus. I want the money. That's why I'm doing it. He was greedy for unjust gain. And so the, the, the trap was set. And for a price of silver, an innocent man was caught and was murdered. And none of the story is right. It shouldn't have happened that way. It's not fair. Jesus, an innocent man, wound up hanging on a cross, sandwiched between... Two criminals. Two convicts. Jesus died the death that every thief deserves to die... ...while Judas got to live scot-free. Of course, we know the rest of the story, right? Three days later, Judas is actually hanging... ...and Jesus rose from the dead. So, Jesus took the punishment that thieves deserve... ...so that we could be forgiven... He took the punishment for our greed so that we could be free from the love of money. That's what Jesus offers us. Freedom from the love of money. And if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit presently lives inside of you so that you can use your money not to advance your own agendas, not to use others to get more money, but to use your money to help other people. Um... I'm going to close with this. I just heard this week from our financial director some really exciting news um, and I wanted to share it. Um, our year in giving in the month of December uh, almost doubled. Um, I kid you not. Almost doubled, which is crazy. That's never happened before. And, um, and that, that, is, that is absolutely remarkable and we praise God because of that and we thank any of you who gave uh, to make that happen. So thank you. Um, and 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 not only that, but the Mercy Fund also doubled. So talk about generosity as a result of the gospel at work in the lives of real people. It's amazing. So praise God. And I am thankful to be part of a church that believes the gospel and lives generously for the sake of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace, your amazing generosity in giving us Jesus who rescues us from lives that, that take and change us into people who live lives that give. Um, we thank you for your good news. We thank you for this good announcement. We pray that it would change us from the inside out that it would free us from our attractiveness to money and instead make us attractive people. Because your gospel is beautiful. You are beautiful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Let's stand together as we finish our service this morning. It's about Jesus who... Gave it all uh, for us um, so that it would take away our pride, cause us to be humble people. And it's because of the cross that we have life with him. Yeah Neither. Bless your name. Oh, the wonderful cross! Oh, the wonderful cross! It's me coming to find that I truly live. Oh, the wonderful cross! Oh, the. Wonderful Strong My you know,
1: during this sermon, I mentioned that our church is family, um, that we are, we are really a family that's knit together um, through Christ. And uh, um, don't be embarrassed, but uh, Tina's having a baby this week. And so uh, one of the opportunities that we have as a church family is to just love on her and, and Charles. And um, so please sign up for a Meal Train uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, to help them um, and bless them and, you know, check in on them and see how they're doing and pray for, for the little one coming. Um, also, um, my wife's birthday is today, and she, she's serving in nursery. So she served in nursery on her birthday. So if you see her, just say happy birthday to her. Uh, give her a little bit of pep in the day. So uh, We're family, right? We want to look for opportunities to love each other. And th- those are two ways you can love each other today. So um, with that, go, uh, go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.